This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Our series has been entitled, James, How to Live Out What You Believe. And today's message is entitled, The Benefits of Having a Patient Spirit. Today we are looking at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you say, all you need to say, is this a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have a word of encouragement and comfort for Christians who are being persecuted and treated unfairly when the rich are exploiting them and seemingly getting away with murder. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to wait for the coming of your return. And we pray, give us patient endurance. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is entitled, The Benefits of Having a Patient Spirit. We saw last week in James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, how James spoke like a prophet, saying, judgment is so real, I can taste it for you guys, you rich people, you sinfully wealthy people who are guilty of four things. Number one, you're guilty of hoarding riches. Number two, you're guilty of acquiring wealth by fraud. That is, you cheat your workers, you underpay your workers, you do not compensate them fairly and you pocket the profits, and you keep the bonus. And number three, you use your wealth wrongfully. You are self-indulging. You're living in luxury, and you're fattening yourself up for the day of slaughter. And number four, you are legally oppressing and even killing the poor workers through the quote-unquote judicial system that you bribe the judge to get your way to take away someone's livelihood, what little they have left, or even to get them sentenced to death. Those are the four indictments against the sinfully rich that James has just 
laid out. And now he's turning to the poor Christians who are believers, who are um, the subject of this mistreatment, of this exploitation by the wealthy. And, you know, it reminds me of Psalm 37. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 37 before we get into this passage, um, because Psalm 37 is a parallel. David wrote Psalm 37, and he instructs the poor who are seeing the wealthy um, succeed and take advantage of the poor. And he says to them in Psalm 37, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who wrong, do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So David is saying that, yes, it looks like the wicked are winning and the righteous are losing, but don't fret. It's not over yet. We see then action verbs, and that's why I love Psalm 37, because it gives specific actions that you can take to deal with the inequity you see in life. And here's number one in verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Verse four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse five, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. And here's the bottom line, verse 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. That verse is the verse Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's a reference back to Psalm 37. So when you see the wealthy winning unfairly, taking advantage of the poor, you trust in the Lord, you delight in the Lord, you commit your way to the Lord, you be still before the Lord, you refrain from anger, and you will eventually see the vindication of the Lord because you will inherit the earth. You will be rewarded. You will see justice done by the Lord. And um, you will be blessed. But you need to wait upon the Lord. So with that context of Psalm 37 as a parallel to James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12, let me point out something else. From James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, that we could easily miss. When James is speaking these indictments against the wicked wealthy, he says in verses 2 and 3, Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. 
He says, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. It'd be easy to focus in on the fact that judgment is so real in the mind of James against the wicked wealthy that even what they have is rotting before their eyes and the corrosion will speak so loudly against them that it'll be part of the torture for eternity that they will be experiencing. But we could overlook that last line. You have herded wealth in the last days. There's an eschatological emphasis. There's an emphasis on the last days. What are the last days? The last days are since the coming of Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection, those begin the last days. So ever since Christ was born and crucified and resurrected and ascended, we have begun the last days. So you may say, we're in the last of the last days now. And what's happening is, instead of uh, these people spending their wealth and laying up treasures in heaven and being kind and fair to others, they are stockpiling their wealth and unfairly treating others, and they are getting re-judgment. Then look at verse 5 of James 5. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves, quote, in the day of slaughter, unquote. So again, you see the eschatological emphasis of James saying, in the last days, in the day of slaughter, which is the day of judgment, how dare you stockpile things and live in self-indulgence and fatten yourselves up? Don't you realize the king is coming? The judge will be here before you know it. So then, here's the five things I have drawn from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12, as to how to be patient when it's hard to wait. Number one, we are to be farmer patient for the Lord's return. Number two, we're not to grumble against other believers. Number three, we're to be prophet patient when suffering. Number four, we're to be Job patient for what God will do. And number five, we're not to swear, that is make oaths, but let our word be our bond. So first of all, let's look at be farmer patient for the Lord's return. James 5, 7a. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. The emphasis, of course, is of enduring what's going on, enduring persecution, enduring hardship, hanging in there. Now, there are three words for patience. You know, in the Old Testament, they had a Hebrew word for patience that meant to be long-nosed. So you are a patient person, they thought, if you had a long nose, because the nose seemed to be like a fuse. And so your nostrils would start to flare when you began to be irritated and annoyed. And then the longer the nose, the longer it took before it got to the tip of your nose and you let out your anger. So to be long-nosed was to be patient. So it was good to have a long nose. So the first kind of patience is patience with people. 
The second kind of patience is patience under stress. And that Greek word is hupomeno, which means to stand up under. So you're able to stand up under pressure because of the Lord upholding you. You know, aluminum can can easily be crushed in our hand. We could stomp on it and make it flat. But why is a submarine not crushed when it goes many fathoms under the sea? And the answer is because it has an equal and opposite pressure from within that is keeping it from being crushed. And so Jesus is our equal and opposite pressure that is in us who gives us the victory. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And he allows us to stand up under pressure. Jesus said, in this world you will have stress, tribulation, trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And the third kind of patience is the patience we're talking about here. It is the word macrothemio, and it means to endure or be long, uh, it means to, to endure to be able to uh, withstand hardships. And that's what God, James is saying to us in James 5, 7, 8. Be patient. <clears throat> Hang in there during a time of hardship and endure. And we are to have farmer patience because he says in 7b, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And the word for the Lord's coming is uh, parousia, and it means that the Lord is going to come suddenly. He's going to come quickly. And so we are to be ready for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, a farmer plants the crop and waits for the rains, but he is powerless. He cannot make the crop grow up overnight. He must be patient. He must wait. He, he must anticipate a har harvest one day, but it's up to God. We are to have that kind of farmer patience. And secondly, we're not to grumble against other believers. When we are under stress, it's easy to become grumpy. When we feel pressure, we seem to be less patient, and we take it out on those closest to us. Verse 9 says, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So poor believers are to be mindful of the return of the Lord just as much as the wicked wealthy are ignoring that they're living in the last days and that the day of slaughter is coming for them. For us, we will not be slaughtered. We will not be judged. We will not be cast out of the presence of the Lord. But we shall come before the Bema seat of Jesus and we will lose some of the reward that we could have had in glorifying uh, the Lord forever in heaven by our disobedience, by grumbling. Third, we're to have 
Prophet patience when suffering. James 5.10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. This is very encouraging because the prophets did not know for which time they were speaking. Take Isaiah, for example. He predicted the coming of the Lord 700 to 750 years before Jesus was born. He spoke the word, he spoke it faithfully, he spoke it consistently, he spoke it boldly, but he had no idea when it was going to come to pass. And we are to have that kind of prophet patience of planting the seed of God's word in the hearts of our family and friends and neighbors. We are to spread the good news that there's forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. And patiently, like a prophet, we plod on in faithful service. And we keep on going even and especially when there's opposition. Especially when we suffer for standing for the truth. Be prophet patient. Believing you're serving God and not man. Believing that you are following what the Lord would have you to do, and you're being true to that. And the next, we are to have a Job patience for what God will do. James 5.11 As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. When James gives the example of Job, we all know about the patience of Job, but he's emphasizing the word patience with the flavor of hanging in there, of persevering, of enduring, of not giving up, of not resigning, not quitting. And that is a great example, because you remember that Job lived a righteous life before God, and uh, Satan took away three things from him, uh, took away his wealth, took away his family, <clears throat> and took away um, his, um, belong his slaves, and he had nothing. And then he took away his health. But the point is that Job never cursed God. He said, naked I came to the world, naked I will leave the world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all that he did not sin. And he said, though the Lord slay me, yet will I love him. Job persevered. He hung on to the Lord for dear life. And we're to have that kind of patience in spite of the of violations and inequities and the unfairness of our world. We are to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To persevere. And James is pointing out that we have seen what the Lord finally brought about for Job. If you remember the story about Job, God doubled what he once had, um, and we shall be rewarded. We shall be vindicated. We shall enter into our full inheritance, and everything we've been cheated out of, we shall be more than blessed by the Lord. So be patient. 
And the last one is don't swear, let your word be your bond. James 5.12, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Again, the word condemned does not mean that we will go to hell, that we will be separated from God for eternity. It means <clears throat> that our rewards shall be uh, taken away. The rewards that we could have had, our capacity to glorify God forever, shall be diminished. It says in Corinthians that some will get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. They will not have any rewards, any capacity. And so we're not to swear. Uh, Jesus taught about this in <clears throat> Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, <clears throat> Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. James then is really echoing and reinforcing the teaching of Jesus. The point here is that the rich people who were... Um, without scruples, were making pie-crust promises. A pie-crust promise is something that's easily made and easily broken. They were not people of their word. James is saying, don't be like that. Be a person of integrity. You don't need to swear by heaven or swear by the Bible that what you're saying is true. Let your word be your bond. Be a person of integrity. Now, this is not saying that you cannot um, swear in in a court of law, putting your hand on the Bible and saying you'll swear this, speak the truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. That's allowed. But it's saying don't, when you're talking with people and making promises, try to buttress those promises as being solid by swearing when you don't really mean what you're promising. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of integrity. Now, I'd like to bring an interesting observation to you. James is saying that even though there's unfairness in the world, injustice, even though the wicked are winning and the righteous are losing, we are to be far more patient in waiting for the harvest of reward God has for us. We are to be profit patient in spreading the word even when we're opposed and suffer for it because we're serving the Lord. And we are to be Job patient in persevering because one day God will double all that has been taken away from us, all that we have lost. But why did James say, don't grumble against other believers and don't swear or take an oath 
let your word be your bond. I want to present to you an interesting thought here. That God wants us to be united in the midst of struggle and persecution and trial. When the going gets tough, the tough get together. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else. But listen carefully. When the going gets tough, the tough get together. We draw from one another support and encouragement and comfort and love and hope and we pray together and we stand together. But there are two things that will break the unity that is needed in a time of suffering. There's two things that will break unity in community. And they are number one, grumbling, and number two, lack of integrity or lying. So grumbling, we see that <clears throat> Moses was the meekest man who ever lived. He really didn't want to be number one in serving. He said, have Aaron speak for me, my brother. But Aaron and Miriam turned against him in Numbers chapter 11, and uh, they were severely punished. And of course, the, the Israelites continuously grumbled against Moses, and they were punished. Grumbling divides people. It causes people to get into cliques and pockets of opposition. It causes people to demonize others, which separates them. And grumbling is an attitude of negativity that is like an acid. It eats through the bond of unity and breaks it up. Lying is also a community breaker. You remember in the early church that Ananias and Sapphira claimed that they were donating to the church all the proceeds from having sold their house, when in fact they were withholding some for themselves. First, the husband came before Peter, and Peter said, why did you lie against the Holy Spirit? And he dropped dead. Then his wife came in shortly after, and she claimed the same thing, and Peter said, why did you lie against the Holy Spirit? And she died. Why were they so severely judged and treated for lying in the early church? The, question, the point is that they were judged severely because God was saying, no lying allowed. Lack of integrity breaks and tears at the fabric of community. So grumbling and lying were pointed out by James as two things not allowed, but the things that are allowed are to have a patient endurance expecting the Lord's return. Expecting the Lord to come back and to not only reward us, but also to vindicate us, to give us dancing for mourning and beauty for ashes, to make the crooked straight, to make the wrong right, to balance the scales of justice without partiality. The Lord is coming, 
And we are to hang on to him and wait patiently for him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful, trustworthy God. We thank you that you love us and you care for us and you know when we're suffering. You know when we've experienced injustice and when we've been treated unfairly, when we've been hurt and devastated, when we've been taken advantage of. And you are the righteous judge. You know all things and you will make all things right and you will bring healing to our broken hearts. Help us to persevere. Help us to hang on. Help us to trust you and to look expectingly for your return. Help us to persevere, trusting that you will make all things good. You will work all things out for good. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.